0: Um, big thank you to Edgar, and a big thank you to Peter and the worship team. Um, how lovely is that cello? It is a cello, isn't it? I'm not good, I'm really lovely. Um, thank you for the opportunity to uh, share a message with you this morning. Uh, today in the church calendar is Transfiguration Sunday, when we remember uh, the events of the Transfiguration. So uh, if you have your Bibles, perhaps you turn with me to Luke Chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 28. Jesus took Peter, John and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters one for you one for Moses and one for Elijah. He he did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud a voice came from the cloud saying this is my son whom I have chosen listen to him. When the voice had spoken they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsion so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him, and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this opportunity to gather together around your word. And we just pray, Lord, that as we consider this passage, that your Holy Spirit will be present amongst us to open our minds To open our understanding, Lord, that each one of us could draw closer to you through your word. In your precious name. Amen. Well, before we we look at this passage, I just want to speak for a moment about my title. I want you to call me Lord Simon of Redondo. No, (laughs) That's actually not, not the title I was talking about. I was talking about the title of my message today. Um, As you all know, there are a lot of very hard-working staff and people working behind the scenes here to make sure that everything at St Andrews goes smoothly. And one of those people who work so hard is Heather. And one of the things that Heather does is that she pulls together all of the bits and pieces of information about what's taking place in the service, and so she can put together the order of service, which you will see... And which appears on the, church we- on the church website. And the deadline for getting all of that information into Heather is noon on Thursday. And she always ends up chasing me because I forget to get back to her in time with something. And she's very, very patient. So this time, I, I originally, I thought that my... Because I, I like to try and think of a title that, I, that, that kind of encapsulates the main thrust of what I want to say. Uh, so the, the thinking is, that at least if you remember the title, if you forget everything else, but you go away and the title sticks in your head, then it might help remember something during the week. So I was struggling a little bit, and you know, I, uh, I, didn't, I could feel Heather's, no, Heather was great, she wasn't impatient with me at all, but I knew I'd got to be back to her by noon on Thursday. So I went back and I said, yeah, the title for, for Sunday is um, Highs and Lows. That's the title. And then, overnight on Thursday, no, on Wednesday, um, I decided I wanted to change it. So I emailed Heather, and then I rang her up, and I said, look, is there any chance I can change the title? But she was very gracious, and she let me change the title to Fight Like an Eagle. So that's the title for this morning, Fight Like an Eagle. And somebody came up to me before the first service and said, um is that a typo on the order of service? Should that be flight like an eagle? I said, no, it's fight like an eagle. And they said, well, do eagles fight? <laughs> I said, look, you know, sit and listen to the sermon, and then we'll we <laughs> talk about it afterwards. So this whole title business has really been sort of tying me up this week. And then, as you'll find out later, a third title, came to my mind this morning, which I thought that would have been better than the other two. And then somebody came up to me at the end of the first service and suggested a fourth title. So I'll I'll share all of those with you as we go through this passage. And uh, to anybody who's watching this online, sitting in your pyjamas, sipping a cup of coffee, you can use the chat section if you want and suggest which title you prefer, and we'll we'll see what we end up with. So then... Fight like an eagle. Uh, It's a wonderful thing. I've said this before, but it's a wonderful thing when you know you're you're due to preach and you've been spending time worrying about the title, or you've spent time thinking about what you're going to say. It's it's a wonderful thing when things happen that that show that you know that confirm the same thoughts you've been having. And and, um, if you had asked me to choose a song that supported what I'm trying to say today. I could not have chosen better than it is well with my soul that that Peter chose. Um, And also when, um, when Edgar opened the service, he talked about those moments, those spiritual highs. So I want to start this morning by talking about the spiritual high, an amazing high because that really is what the transfiguration is about. That these three men, Peter, James and John, enjoyed a remarkable experience on the mountaintop. They, they were privileged enough to be there and to see the glory of God manifested in Christ. That Jesus' clothes shone as if they, they were a bolt of lightning. It reminds you when you read it of in the Old Testament when Moses went up into the mountain to speak with God and he came back and his face shone. And so Peter, James and John had this amazing experience where they got an incredible sense of the glory and majesty and nearness of God. And I'm sure that those of us who've been a Christian for any amount of time we would be able to remember moments in our lives where we, we have felt particularly close to God, where we felt the presence of God. It may be times when we, we, had a, we saw a clear answer to prayer. It may have been a service we were in where the preacher spoke directly to us. It might have been a service where the worship was such that you could all feel the Holy Spirit and you could feel God ministering to you. It may have been just out walking and seeing nature, seeing a beautiful sunset or a landscape, and and that reminding you of the majesty of God. I'm sure every one of us can remember times where we felt particularly close to God and felt connected and felt that God is close to us. And they're wonderful times. It's a spiritual high. Charles Wesley described it as being strangely warmed, When he was saved, he was sitting in a meeting hall and he felt strangely warmed. Something, he knew something was happening to him. And that experience, those experiences are available to us as Christians and they are remarkable things when they happen. It's interesting because Peter, in the passage, when he sees Jesus and Moses and Elijah, when Peter kind of comes to, he says, look, Lord, let's build three shelters one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And, and in the text it says he didn't know what he was saying. But in one sense, I think he, he did know what he was saying. He just he just lost a sense of perspective. Because really, by saying, let's build three shelters, Peter was trying to extend the moment. He wanted to stay in that moment where he could see the glory of God, where he he got access to. A, a tiny glimpse of the bigger picture of life. Because not only could he see Jesus and Moses and Elijah, but it says in the text that they were talking about the very core of Christianity. It says they were talking about Jesus' coming departure, which was going to be fulfilled at Jerusalem. So they were talking about Jesus being crucified. They were talking about the very core Essence of Christianity. When Peter was there and he, and he saw the glory of God and he got this sense of this big picture. And he wanted it to carry on. He wanted it to stay. And so by creating shelters, you're creating some permanence. You know, there's somewhere there for Jesus and Moses and Elijah to stay. But that's the thing about these spiritual highs. You know, that, that they're not meant to extend for the rest of our life. There are moments in time where, where we feel connected, where we feel close to God, where we're conscious that he's intervened and he's answered our prayer. We're conscious of him directing and guiding us. We're conscious of his love for us. It's a wonderful experience. And the interesting thing is that it re-energized them. You know, we we read that as well. It says they were very sleepy. Then they got re-energized. They got this wonderful glimpse into a bigger picture. And for us as Christians, any time we can feel closer to God or connected to God, to the reality of his love for us, to the reality of his majesty, that's a good thing for us. And so we should be, as Christians, looking to do what we can to increase the likelihood of those moments happening. And we get a couple of clues in this passage as to how we can do that. You see, the first thing is that Peter, James, and John were with Jesus. They were close to Jesus. We don't know why he particularly chose them, to come with him up into the mountain and left the other disciples behind. But what we do know is that they were there with Jesus. They were close to Jesus, and they were where he was. And so that's the first clue for us when we look at our lives and we want to create a scenario, a situation, a background where we are likely to get that extra feeling of connection to God. The first is that we need to be close to Jesus. Now, that might seem obvious, but the thing is that the world is a tough place. Nowhere more so than right now when we look at the events that are happening in Europe and it's, it, you know people are, people are scared, people don't know what's happening, there's uncertainty, you know, pe- people are worried. It's a, it, it's a dangerous and difficult world that we live in. And the more that we can connect ourselves to God and to our faith, the more we we, we get these spiritual highs that, that, that help us and build us up and strengthen our faith. And so the first thing is we need to be near to Jesus. And the problem is that in the world that we live in, we're not called to go and live as hermits in a cave. We're called to be in this world witnessing to people. We have to be in this day-to-day world and we have to be able to deal with it. The problem is that events of the world, things in our lives, challenges, problems, difficulties, conflicts, things at work, illness, financial difficulties, it could be anything. These things crowd in and these things slowly, if we're not careful, can separate us from Jesus. You see, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he said, my sheep know my voice. They recognize his voice. But the thing is, they can only recognize his voice if they're close enough to him to hear his voice. If they're 20 miles away, they won't hear his voice. And so the further we allow things of the world, fears, anxieties, concerns, all kinds of other things, to crowd in, pride, ambition, it could be anything, the more we can drift away from Jesus, the harder it is to hear his voice. And so if we want to maximise those times when we can really feel a connection to, to God and his love and our faith, We need to make sure we're not allowing anything in our lives that's crowding him out and pushing him to one side and putting other things more important. So we start skipping church or we stop praying or we stop reading the Bible. That's the first thing, the first clue. They were with Jesus. The second is this. The whole thing started how? It started with prayer. Verse 29 of Luke 9, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. This whole experience started as Jesus was praying. It starts with prayer. That's the second, we need to be close to Jesus and we need to be in prayer. We can pray. We have this amazing facility of prayer. We can pray at any time, at any moment. And that's a good thing, that we can spontaneously pray about something. But also, we should set aside time every day for some prayer. Not hours and hours of prayer, but just a few moments of quiet where we simply reconnect with God. We thank him for what we have, and we put in front of him the challenges that we've got, and we ask him to come in and help us. So these spiritual highs, if you like, the lesson from the transfiguration is they're more likely to happen. We're more likely to feel more connected to God and his love when we are close to Jesus and when we make sure that prayer is a constant thing in our lives. An amazing spiritual high. But the thing is... This amazing spiritual high... Was followed immediately... By a depressing low. Because they've had this amazing experience on the mountain... But they come down the mountain... And as they come down the mountain, they walk straight into a big argument. There's a big row because a man has come to find Jesus because his son is demon-possessed and and he keeps trying to destroy the boy. And the man is desperate. And the man has heard about Jesus. And so perhaps Jesus is his last chance. And so the man has heard about where Jesus is So he takes the boy and he goes to where he's told Jesus is but when he gets there Jesus isn't there but his disciples are or most of his disciples. So he goes to the disciples and he asks them to heal the boy. But the passage tells us the disciples can't heal the boy. And now other people have seen this is going on and people have come running and joining in and As normally when there's a big crowd and a kerfuffle, a bunch of lawyers have shown up. It says that teachers of the law get involved. And suddenly there's this big argument going on. And that's what they come into. They come down the mountain after this amazing, beautiful, spiritual high where Peter just wants to stay there. And now suddenly they're back in the day-to-day and as a big fight and there's a crowd and there's arguments and as a challenge to their faith because the disciples have not been able to heal this boy. And there's attacks and people are saying to Jesus, we came and your disciples weren't able to heal him. And, and the man says, we begged, we begged your disciples. How terrible must it have been for those disciples? They tried to heal the boy, they couldn't do it. And we get a little bit, a tiny, tiny sense of the frustration when Jesus says, how long am I going to have to put up with, with you? But the lesson for us is, that's the reality of our lives. That these two experiences, we have to understand the reality of the two. That we have these moments, these wonderful spiritual highs, these moments when we feel close to God, these moments when we can have a wonderful time in a service, we can listen to beautiful worship, we can be close with God in prayer, we see an answer to prayer. But, you know, then on Monday we have to go to work. And then while we're at work, all kinds of problems and things come in and we've got to deal with them and suddenly in all of the chaos of this you know, we forget all of, the, all, of the, all of the beautiful things about our relationship with God and so the first thing for us to understand here is that we understand there is a, the reality is that these two things exist so we need to understand that, we need to understand there's a balance we need to understand that when we feel great, when we feel close to God and, and everything's going well we need to know every day won't be like that But equally, when we're having a day when we're feeling really challenged and beaten up and fed up and we can't carry on and we don't want to come to church anymore, we also have to understand that every day is not going to be like that. There's a reality of these two different experiences that we have to deal with and navigate as Christians. Two things left. What we need to understand is that the amazing high is there to prepare us and equip us to deal with the low. It's no coincidence that after this wonderful time on the mountain, they've come slap bang into a real world challenge (coughs) with an attack on their faith. And the reality is for us as Christians that those times where we can reconnect with God and be close to God, those are times that prepare us to deal with the difficult times in our life. The highs prepare us to deal with the lows. Jesus was always in prayer. Read through any of the Gospels and see how many times Jesus got up early and he went up into a mountain alone to pray. Because he knew that he had to pray and spend time with God in order to equip himself to be able to deal with the things he had to deal with during the day. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus had to be alone and to pray in order to equip himself to deal with the day. How much more must we have to Pray and have time alone with God in order to deal with the things and the challenges that we face. Spending that time with God re energizes us. You see, there's a little detail in the story of the Transfiguration which I hadn't really focused on before, and we find it in verse 32. It says, when we're on a mountain, it says, Peter and his companions were very sleepy. I hadn't really thought about that before, but it appears that when Jesus took Peter, James and John up into the mountain with him, they were very sleepy. They were exhausted, they were worn out. I don't know why they were worn out. Perhaps they were worn out because of the things they'd been involved in and the distance they'd walked and the things they'd been involved in with Christ. I don't know. But what I do know is the Bible makes it clear that before the wonderful experience they had on the mountain, they were dead on their feet, worn out. But it then goes on to say, Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but then they became fully awake. So that experience on the mountain transformed them, it re-energised them. It took them from being very sleepy to being fully awake, not just awake, fully awake. So we clearly see that they go up into that mountain dead on their feet, they come down to that mountain raring to go. Because those moments we can spend where we reconnect with God, they charge us back up. This is the third title. So we've got highs and lows. You're listening at home. We've got highs and lows. We've got fight like an eagle. And now here's the third one. If you're a Christian, you need to think like a Tesla. (laughs) Or any other electric car you might want to think of. But my daughter's boyfriend has a Tesla. So the range on his Tesla is 300 miles. When he comes out to see us, It's 125 miles. So the first time he came out in the Tesla, he gets to the house and I said to him, do you want to, I get my car out of the garage, you can put it in and charge it up. He said, no, no, it's fine. He said, we've got a 175 miles range and it's only 125 miles back, so we'll be fine. So I said, okay. So they leave the house about six o'clock on Sunday evening. They set off and they run straight into a huge traffic jam on the 10. So the traffic's not moving. It's dark, so he's got the lights on. It was hot, so he's got the air conditioning on. And suddenly, the big screen in the center of the Tesla informs him that his range is now not 125 miles. It's 50. And then instructions come up on the Tesla screen <clears throat> that says, look, you're going to run out of charge in 50 miles. You're going to come to a complete stop. You're not going to be able to complete your journey. So follow these directions and we're going to take you to a charging station where you can recharge the battery. So he follows the instructions and he goes off and he plugs it in and he recharges the battery and he's back up to 300 miles and he can continue the journey. Now that has an application for us as Christians because you see, he was running out of charge And if he'd have run out of charge, he would not have been able to complete his objective. He would not have been able to get where he wanted to go. He would have been stranded in the middle of nowhere with no ability to move forward or accomplish anything that he wanted to accomplish. In essence, he would have been completely neutralized and stranded. And in a sense, that's like us as Christians. If we allow our spiritual charge to run so low and we try to battle through things on our own, in our own strength and our own power, we will end up stranded, neutralized, incapable of completing the objectives God wants us to complete. The other interesting thing about recharging a Tesla is while we do have the ability, and they, they do it every day, to refuel an F-15 fighter jet while it's in the air. You can't recharge a Tesla or any other electric vehicle while it's driving along. It's got to stop, it's got to be switched off. So we need to think like a Tesla. If you're going through a tough time, and you are beset with problems and challenges, and these things are real. I mean, the man and the crowd and the lawyers and the arguments, that was real. It wasn't imagined. That was a real problem I had to deal with. So if you're battling with a real problem in your life and you're struggling and you're finding it hard, perhaps that's the sign. Perhaps that's the centre console in the Tesla saying, you're running out of range and you need to stop, switch off, and you need to plug back in to your relationship with God to charge yourself back up. It's what Peter T. talked about when he introduced that last song. Times when he's found that he's had, you know, had a tough week or whatever, and just coming into church, worshipping, singing a song like that, <coughs> has reminded him of what's important and has allowed him to plug back into his relationship with God, and that's re-energised him. The Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. A very quick sidebar. This is this amuses me this, because my dad is a huge fan of the King James Version. He's very old school. You know, King James that's the only version of the Bible you need. I like to use the New International Version. And cross-reference with King James. So this has been a debate that's been going on for a long time between the two of us. And it'll never get fully resolved. But I like this verse because the New International Version says those who hope on the Lord will renew their strength. The King James says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. But if you look at the etymology of the word, they're both right. Because the word that's used there means both to wait and to hope. You see, you can hope while running along, and you can wait with no hope. But what this is talking about is waiting with hope. So it says, therefore, those who wait and hope on the Lord will renew their strength. And that word renew actually means exchange. We exchange God's strength for our strength. We wait and we hope, just like when you plug that electric car into the charger. You can't move, you stop and you wait and you know, you anticipate you're going to be recharged, you can continue your journey. That's what Isaiah 40, 31 says. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. At last, he's mentioned an eagle. (laughs) They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, they will walk, and not be faint. Here's the last point. Life is a battle. As Christians, we're told repeatedly, that the spiritual walk, is a battle. Paul says, we've got to wear, the armour of God. You don't wear armour, if you're just relaxing. Paul says we're going to train like a soldier, like a soldier of Christ. Because the devil is out there and he wants to obstruct us and and trip us up and make life difficult. So the spiritual life is a battle. We have spiritual highs. We have real lows and challenges we have to deal with. But we win if we fight like an eagle. You see, what, what, what threw me off and took me from highs and lows to fight like an eagle, is yesterday when I was kind of just looking through all of this, a thing popped up on my Facebook feed, and it was from a ministry, a local ministry here, at Glendale, called Hope on the Street Ministry. And, and this thing popped up, um, I think a friend of mine had reposted it or what have you, and I'd seen it. And it was a big picture of an eagle, And and in the eagle's talons, there was a snake. And this is what they said on the post. They said, the eagle does not fight the snake on the ground. It picks it up, takes it to the sky, and changes the battleground. The snake has no stamina, no strength, and no balance when it's in the air. It is useless, weak, and vulnerable. Whereas on the ground, it is deadly. And that fascinated me. Because a snake on the ground is in its element. It's deadly. It can kill an eagle. But the eagle comes in, picks it up, and then dashes it against something or throws it down or or whatever. But the point is, the eagle changes the battleground. It does not fight the snake on the ground. It picks that snake up and it takes it into the sky. Because in the sky, the snake has no leverage, it has no ability to do anything. And that's how we need to look at the challenges that we might be facing this week. Wherever they may be, work, health, family, who knows, whatever. Whatever challenge it is that's worrying you or concerning you this week... Don't fight it on the ground. Pick it up and take it into the sky. In other words, look to God. Take it out of the horizontal and take it vertical. Take it out of the day-to-day and take it into the spiritual realm and ask God to deal with it. Because then it has no power. It's such a simple principle that we need as Christians to follow. How do we do that? Simply, when we find ourselves beset with difficulties and challenges, we need just to remember this. Where do you you want to think? Live like a Tesla, the highs and lows, fight like an eagle, whichever of the three. And the fourth suggestion somebody made to me after the first service was soar to fight. So there's a fourth one. Whichever one of those you take, or if you mix them all together, the principle's the same. Don't try to deal with the challenge in your human strength and ability. Take it up into the sky and deal with it in a spiritual sense. Give it to God and ask Him to deal with it. Because then you remove the power from the problem. And God is able to come in and deliver. And you can reconnect. (coughs) If you're finding it difficult, therefore, to deal with something, reconnect. Stop and plug yourself into the charger. Get your Bible, read your Bible, pray, talk to a Christian friend, whatever it is, plug yourself back in to that spiritual recharging unit that will help you then understand that you take that problem into the sky, you give it to God, and then God will deal with it. Psalm 121. Well, before that, if you read the account of this in Mark, it says that after the... Jesus had healed the boy and the crowd had gone the disciples said to Jesus how come we couldn't heal him and Jesus said this kind can only come out by prayer you remember it started with prayer when they were on the mountain and Jesus prayed and it finished with prayer because Jesus said these challenges you can only deal with by prayer It starts with prayer, it finishes with prayer. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, for whom nothing is impossible. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much because you love us so much. Lord, we know that we are in a battle. We know, Lord, that we have days which are great. We have days that are tough. But, Lord, we just pray that you would help each one of us to make sure that we stay close to you, that we are constantly in prayer. And, Lord, to, to realise that when we face these challenges, Lord, we're not to try and fight them on the ground. Lord, we're to pick them up and take them into the air and give them to you, Lord, and trust you to deliver us from whatever it is, Lord, that's causing us any anxiety. Help us, Lord, to take this back into the world in your precious and worthy name. Amen.